welcome everybody to the Coffee House Questions podcast with Ryan Pauly. Uh, it's great to be joining you guys today, and I'm very excited for a new announcement. And that is that the Coffee House Questions podcast uh, will no longer uh, be just a podcast anymore. It's, I wasn't going to say that it's no longer uh, happening. It's continuing to happen, but it's no longer just a podcast. Um, this is the first announcement that the Coffee House Questions podcast is now teamed up with Active Reliance Radio and will soon, uh, I don't want to, I won't say the official date yet, but soon be um, a radio show. And so I'm super excited. It's awesome just seeing uh, what has happened in the few months. Well, I guess it's been for more than a few months. Started back in February. Um, started this this kind of back in February is just kind of a, an experiment of, hey, let's <laughs> let's just see what happens. I don't know who's going to listen. Um, this is just kind of my way to kind of get some thoughts down. And hey, if no one listens, I have a bunch of uh, information recorded. Uh, that I can go back and reference later. I can kind of put some of my ideas down of things that I do in my classes, some thoughts that I have. Um, and then also that I can just kind of better learn how to phrase sentences, uh, express different things I'm trying to say, and just improve my talking. And so that was kind of the idea behind starting Coffee House Questions, uh, the podcast. And then it kind of took off and um, people started listening to it. And so that's super excited, uh, exciting for me that, that people want to hear some of the things that um, I'm talking about. And, and, and so that's awesome. And I love hearing that. And it's been really cool kind of seeing how things have changed um, over time. Uh, just been able to get some awesome interviews um, in the past. I, I have... Man, I think I have about 11 people or so uh, on my list. I'm, I'm in, you know, having conversations right now with a few different people. Um, I have at the end of this month uh, what I announced before. There were tech, some technical difficulties, um, so we weren't able to do it. But we rescheduled for the end of October uh, an interview with Andy Bannister, the author of The Atheist Who Didn't Exist or The Consequence of Bad Arguments. Uh, discussing the bad arguments of new atheism. And so that's, I'm really excited for that interview, um, as well as some others uh, on some different topics. And so it's just been really cool seeing how things have changed, how uh, this has grown and how people are following it, listening to it. And so um, I just want to say thank you guys. Um, it's been a pleasure for me to be able to kind of sit down once a week and share something that's on my mind. Um, I hope that you're enjoying it. Um, one change that I'm going to be making either slowly or we'll see how it works is that um, with the now the addition of the podcast uh, becoming uh, being played over the radio, um, I'm shooting for a 30 minute um, recording. Before I know I started, it was like eight, 10 minutes. I just want to give a really short response. Um, if I had an interview that it, it became a longer response, uh, if I was interviewing, I would do 30 to 40 minutes. Um, now I'm, I'm shooting for each one to be 30 minutes. What I would like is I don't want to spend uh, 30 minutes just me talking. Um, I want to be able to continue to give kind of short responses and how can we respond to different issues. And so I would love is to, you know, spend the first 10 or so minutes kind of discussing something that's been going on, but then to get more interaction from listeners, to get more interaction from all of you. And so what I want to 
increase is is people sending in their questions um, through the Coffee House Questions Facebook, through Twitter, messaging me through the website, whatever it may be. I'm sending in questions, and those can be the topic of the next week's recording. And so spending a few, you know, 10, 15 minutes talking about what I want to, you know, what I have on my mind. And then, you know, spending another 15 minutes um, discussing questions that you guys bring up and, and kind of short responses to different questions. Also, um, if, you know, just another reminder is that this is recorded live at 5 p.m. Los Angeles time on Wednesdays. And so I want to encourage you that it is streamed live on the Coffee House Questions Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook, type in Coffee House Questions, like the Facebook page, and then when I go live at 5 p.m., you can watch it live and you can comment live and then I can do some more interaction. Uh, if I see your comment, there can be some times that I respond and then you can kind of comment back and forth and we can have a little bit more of an interaction. Um, and so I want to encourage you guys that don't forget to like the Facebook page and be able to follow the live uh, broadcast of the podcast and now the radio uh, show on Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Los Angeles time. And so uh, really excited about that. And so anyway, so those are kind of the exciting news uh, of things happening at the, right now with Coffee House Questions. So kind of give you guys uh, in the loop of, of some of those um, things that are going on. So today, uh, one thing, if you don't know this about me, um, is that I teach high school and I teach high school Bible. And this year, the class that I am teaching is comparative religions and worldviews. And we have spent the first uh, quarter, in fact, the quarter ends on Friday, we spent the first quarter um, comparing six different worldviews. Uh, the six main worldviews that are active and present in today's world. And so we started out with Christianity, we went to Islam, then we moved on to secularism, Marxism, new spirituality, which is like new age movement, and then now we are finishing up with postmodernism. And so as I'm teaching postmodernism and discussing postmodernism with my students, I'm seeing how much and I saw this before, but how much postmodernism has influenced and affected our culture and how much it has changed things. And what's fascinating is that as you study worldview, the goal of my class is this understanding that there is a meta-narrative of our world, that there is an overarching story that explains all of reality. There's a story of reality. There's a story there's, that explains the way the world really works. And what most religions attempt to do and what most worldviews attempt to do, and in fact, Christianity, Islam, uh, secularism, Marxism, and new spirituality do this, is that they believe that they can understand ultimate reality, that they can understand the meta narrative of reality, and then they can explain it. And so Christianity provides the Christian story. This is how it began. This is where we came from. This is who we as humans are. This is what is wrong with us. This explains uh, the evil and the suffering in the world. And this is how we should live and what will happen after we die. And these are the basic worldview questions. What is the purpose to life? Why? Where did we come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Then we looked at Islam. Islam has the same responses. It's where did we come from? 
What sources do we draw from? What uh, does it say about humanity? How should we live? What's wrong with us? Secularism has the same responses, same with Marxism and new spirituality. And so all of these, these first five worldviews that we looked at were searching and saying that we can know ultimate reality, each one providing its own uh, description of what they see ultimate reality as. Now, the first interesting thing here is that when we talk about this idea of religious pluralism or religious kind of relativism, this is what we see with a lot with postmodernism. And so postmodernism comes along and it actually says that ultimate reality is unknowable. We can't know ultimate reality. And so uh, what we see here is that all the other ones are saying, this is what reality is like. And postmodernism says, no, ultimate reality is unknowable. This objective truth cannot be known. Everyone has a different viewpoint and we can't know what reality really is like. And so it rejects the big picture. It rejects the big story. And so all we have are these little stories. And the way that I kind of explain this to my students or hopefully help them to see it is we just talked uh, about a simple example using a bank account. So I said, you know, if I am trying to figure out how much money is in my bank account, and let's say I'm married and I run the numbers and I come up with that there is uh, $70 in my bank. And then my wife uh, runs the numbers and she comes up with the fact that there is $85 in the bank account. Okay, well, we come up with two different numbers uh, trying to discover how much is in the bank. Now, would it be, and I asked my students this, would it be a good argument for me to say, you know, wife, uh, your numbers are different than mine. I'm right, therefore I'm right, you're wrong. How would that work? And my students were quick to say, uh, you'll be sleeping on the couch, right? That's not a very good argument. Now, if she did the same thing, if she said, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, your number is different than mine. I'm right. You're wrong. Uh, you know, you're different than mine. Therefore, I'm right. Now, again, that's not the best response. Instead, I asked my students, what do we need to do? And they said, you actually have to go down to the bank, right? There has to be some investigation. We need to use uh, our tools to investigate, to figure out what is actually in the bank account. And then when we discover that, we walk down to the bank, say how much is in there. And if they say there's $0 in your account, you're broke. Well, then quickly, uh, we realize that both my wife and I were wrong. However, uh, if they say, well, actually, there's $85 in the bank, then it quickly realize, okay, she was right and I was wrong. But there can't be $85 and $75 in the bank at the same time. And that's obvious. Now, when it comes to religious pluralism... What we try and do a lot of the times is that we are trying to, instead of figuring out how much money is in the bank, we're trying to figure out what reality is really like. And so the Christian comes along and says, yes, there is a God. He exists. Uh, he created everything. He is triune. Uh, it's a Trinitarian monotheism, right? There's Jesus, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are his children. We are his creation. And they give a picture of reality. And then Islam comes along and says, well, yeah, there is a God. He created the world, uh, but he's not triune. He's actually all by himself. And this is how the world should function. Secularism, atheism kind of comes along and goes, actually, no, there is no supernatural. The world is only material. We believe in materialism. There is no God. And they create their picture and so forth. And so the question is, is can I look at a secularist and say, hey, uh, you're different than me. Therefore, you're wrong. You, you come to a different response. And the answer is no, we can't say that, right? That, but that's what we do a lot of times. I grew up this way. You're different than me. Therefore, you must be wrong. 
In the same way, the secularists can't say to the Christian, well, you're different than the way I grew up, therefore you're wrong. And so in the same way with the bank, we have to go investigate. We need to use our tools of investigation. We need to look for evidence. We need to look for good reasons. And we need to put our intelligence to use and figure out what is reality actually like. And if the evidence shows that there is no God, that the world is only material, then obviously then something like secularism is true and Christianity would be false. However, if the evidence shows, and I'm convinced of this, that God does exist, then it shows that Christianity is true and those that religions that don't believe in God would be false. This idea of religious pluralism where they are all true cannot be true. That, that defeats the law of non-contradiction. And if you don't know the law of non-contradiction, the law of non-contradiction states that different things cannot be true in the same way and in the same sense. There we go. Two different things. So, for example, the earth is round, the earth is flat. It, they can't, it can't be both. That's, that, that contradicts each other. The earth can't be round and flat at the same time. And so if the earth is round, it's wrong that the earth is flat and vice versa. But they both can't be true. And so as I kind of talk with students about this, they say, well, what about if we take little pieces from each religion? Now, I normally kind of encourage this. Now, that might sound weird, but here's what I say is, okay, let's try that. Let's, let's create our own worldview that takes pieces from each one, the good pieces, and let's see how it works out. Let's see if we can create a worldview that answers everything. Well, here's the problem. Each worldview, now we have to say, where did we come from? Okay, either God created us or he div- didn't, and now you're already starting to eliminate worldviews, right? And so if your answer to the question, is there a supernatural, is yes, well, now all of a sudden you're saying atheism, secularism, and Marxism is false, And so to to try and create a worldview that can fit them all together is impossible because they have contradictory ideas at their very core. And so there's kind of the first issue. And so postmodernism comes along and says, okay, we can't actually know reality. We can't know the truth. Well, there's one big problem with that. If someone says there is no truth, you ask them a question. You say... Is that true? Right? If someone says there is no truth, you ask them, is that true? Okay, if what they just said is true, well, then there's truth. And then their statement fails. If they say, well, no, my statement is not true, well, then the statement, there is no truth. If it's not true, then it means that there is truth, right? And so it's self-defeating. It doesn't work. And so to come along and say, there is no objective truth, you're making an objectively true statement. And so it fails immediately. And this is what I was kind of helping my students see today is that postmodernism comes along and says there is no meta narrative. There is no overarching story that explains all of reality. Therefore, everyone's stories have truth value in their subjective opinion. Well, that in and of itself is creating a story of reality, the story that there is no story. And so it, it, it fails in the very basic part. So to say that there is no story, you're creating a story. Now, what's fascinating is as much as this fails immediately and is self-defeating in its very essence, it has affected and greatly influenced our culture. We live in a relativistic culture where people want to say that there is no truth. And this comes through extremely clear in the whole transgender debate going on right now and in gender identity. And I showed a few videos in my class uh, to my class that are on YouTube with this idea of um, 
one is on identity and one is on gender where there are college students that say what you think about yourself is more important than biology. And that is one of the big aspects of postmodernism that rejects or has um, kind of is skeptical of sciences and skeptical, skeptical of human reason. And this idea that there is no objective truth and instead it's what our opinion is. It's what our thoughts are. It's what we think. And, and so that is um, influenced our culture in a very deep way where we say what we think is more important than what our biology actually says, than what reality actually says. My thoughts are more important than reality. And so that's kind of this big picture of postmodernism and how it has affected us. Now, if we go back to um, this idea, one student kind of brought up, and, and one thing that we discussed in my class is this idea that we all have different lenses and different biases that we view the world. And that is true. I see the world differently than someone that grew up in a different country, that grew up in a different family. We all see the world differently. And so postmodernism says we all view the world differently. We all see everything differently. Therefore, who can know who really sees it accurately? Now, here's what I think is fascinating, and I'm learning this too in, in some of my other classes, like on hermeneutics, is that we all have biases. We all have a certain perspective in which we see the world. But I think here is a big difference, and here's something we need to think about. A lot of times, kind of the modernist view, the secular view, what it says is that truth, objective truth is found in science, right? Science is the way to know all things. There is no bias. This is just true. And it kind of ignores the bias that people have. Now, I think postmodernism swings to the complete opposite end of the pendulum and says everything is a bias. Therefore, there is no objective truth. We can't know anything objectively. All we have is subjective opinion. Whereas on the other end, right, we have secularism, which says, no, science is the objective truth. There is no bias. Well, here's the thing I think it's important to understand. If, if The thing is, and, and Frank Turk talks about this in his book, Stealing from God. Science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. right? Science gives us data that then is interpreted by scientists who have biases. I just read a book where the person said evolution can be and must be true. Now, if you come to the data with the mindset that evolution has to be true, then you're going to find a way to interpret the data to make sure it's true. And I think we see this a lot when, when you look at criminal trials. When and If you go to a trial and you really like police officers and you hate, you know, the defense, you hate the, you know, prosecutor, well, or, you know, or, or whatever it may be, how, how the person's being judged. Well, if you really like cops, well, you're going to listen more to the cop and you're going to think that the person's guilty. But if you don't like cops, then you kind of have a bias against that. Then you're more likely to believe the other person. And that's why at trials, you can have the same evidence presented to everybody. But every, but then some people say guilty. Others say not guilty. Right. Because we all have our different lenses. Whereas I think here's the way that we need to approach this, that we come with our biases kind of open handed. And I'm learning this in my class on how we interpret scripture. We all come and we read scripture with certain biases. And those biases, if we're not careful, can affect how we interpret the world around us. And so instead of ignoring the bias and saying, no, this thing that I'm looking at is objectively true, 
and it cannot change and no you know bias can change it and there are no biases and then postmodernism which says everything is a bias and therefore we can't trust anything uh there is no objective truth to say no there is a bias but i need to be aware of it and so it, as i'm investigating and if i find something contrary i'm willing to let go of it i have an open hand the problem is, is there are some people that are so close and holding on to that bias that they're not willing to let go of it. And so I think that that's a huge thing. And as one student kind of talked about, what if we're all wearing glasses with different colored lenses? Well, yeah, if you refuse to admit that you have glasses with different colored lenses, then you're never going to realize that you see the world differently than someone else. And you should just expect, no, this is the way it works. This is the way the world works. Or if you say, no, everyone has the lenses, but we can never take the glasses off. Therefore, who's actually right? Then that's also kind of a problem on the other side. But if we say, yes, I have glasses that have different colored lenses. I see the world a different way, but I'm able to take my glasses off, evaluate it, be aware that I have these glasses, take that into account. Then we can best understand the truth. And let me give you an example of an activity I did with my students the last two days. I had an object inside of a box and I had one student come up to the front of class and I took the lid off to where only that one student could see the object. They spent about a minute or two uh, describing the object only using kind of descriptive words. They couldn't say what it was or anything like that, Give it, make it too obvious, but use descriptive words. What do you see in the box? After they described it for a minute or two, I had my rest of my students try and draw it. They tried to draw what was being described. Now, it was a baseball on a stand, kind of like a trophy. And I got everything from, yeah, a baseball on a stand to a football to uh, one student from the description thought it was a shoe. One person said, there's nothing in the box. There's just, you know, the student just started making stuff up. Um, to snow globe was one, uh, you know, kind of a baseball on a stand. Um, to lots. And so after we got done, I said, you know, we can't open the box. We, we admit the box is here. We admit that there's something in the box, but we can't open it to discover what's actually inside. And so guess what? We can never know which one of you is right. So therefore you all have your truth, right? It's true for you. And whatever's true for you, whatever you think that's true. Now, my students were very quick to kind of get upset with this saying, no. In fact, one student said, we're not in kindergarten. We don't all win. There can't be a snow globe, a baseball, a football, a shoe, and nothing in the box all at the same time. That's impossible. And I said, good. Right? That's the religious pluralist kind of perspective that everything is true. It can be everything. But that's not possible. In the same way, I can't have $70 and $85 in my bank at the same time. And so here's kind of what I, I help this analogy show my students. If we're going to figure out who's right, we obviously admit that we all can't be right. Some are right, some are wrong. And if we're going to figure out who's right, what do we have to do? And they said, you have to investigate. Good. Evidence, investigation. So we open the box and we pull the item out. And here's kind of the picture of the six worldviews. Christianity, Islam, secularism, Marxism, and new spirituality all say that we can know what's in the box, that we can investigate it, that we can figure it out. And so when we, if we can figure out what is in the box and I pulled out the baseball trophy. Then the ones that drew shoes, obviously like, oh, I was wrong. The ones that had something that looked like a trophy. Hey, I was right. But if we could never open the box, then no, we could never know. And that's kind of the big difference is postmodernism says, Hey, we, we, we can't 
actually investigate this. We can't understand it. Uh, we can't actually know what it is. Now, here's the last thing that I want to hit on uh, with um, this idea of postmodernism. And here's how I think that this has affected Christians more than we understand. And this is the idea that is called deconstructionism. Deconstructionism. Here's the idea of deconstructionism. Deconstructionism is a method of literary analysis that questions the ability of language to represent reality adequately. And here's a, a shorter way of saying this, is that the, the language itself has no truth. And instead, we put our own truth on the meaning. That everyone, as they read something, they put their own meaning on it, and the language itself doesn't have truth. Now, in my class on understanding interpreting scripture, what we recognize is that when, say, Paul wrote something, he had a meaning for it. There's a reason why he wrote it. He, he, he wanted to, co to convey a message to a group of people. And we need to understand what his meaning was so that we can interpret it and understand then how does this apply to me and what can I learn from it based on what he meant. But what we see in Christianity a whole lot of times and what comes from this idea of deconstructionism that's a part of postmodernism and relativism is that the text itself doesn't have meaning. There's no meaning in the object, no objective truth. There's no truth in the object, the text. And instead, we put our own relative meaning on it. And here's where we see this in Christianity. You go to a Bible study, you read a verse, and the first question we ask is, what does this mean to me? What meaning do I give this? And I give my meaning to it. And then the next person says, well, this is what it means to me. And the next person says, well, this is what it means to me. And we all just kind of get our own meaning. And that is postmodernism influencing us as Christians. Instead, what the Christian worldview says is, no, there is truth in the object. There is truth in the text. We have to do whatever we can to investigate, to figure out what that truth is. And then when we understand what the text is communicating, then we can learn how to apply it to us. Then we can figure out how this affects us and influences us. So we first figure out the objective truth and then apply it to us. And, and, and that's what I think is huge and what we have to communicate and help students understand is that this idea is sometimes we say, oh, no, you know, postmodernism, you know, that doesn't really affect us or we don't understand how it affects us. We don't understand how relativism affects us. But relativism at its very core is self-defeating. To say there is no truth is trying to make a truth statement. To say there is no objective truth is an objective truth statement. It's the same as if I say I can't speak a word of English. Well, I just said that in English. It Therefore, it fails. It self-destructs. And I think the same thing is happening, and we don't even realize the amount that it is influencing and impacting us as Christians. And so to try and take uh, all religions and make all religions equal in a way, it fails. Religious pluralism can't be true. It, ba it breaks down the basic laws of logic. And so we get this understanding that, guys, that there is an ultimate reality, that there is truth. There is objective truth about reality. And we don't know the truth just because, hey, this is what I grew up with. You know, I was born this way. Um, this is what my family taught me. You're different than me, than me, therefore you're wrong. But instead, we should be 
open-handed with our we're, we're biased we, we all have our opinions and what we want to be true but we come at this investigation with open hands we look we use our reason god has given us the ability to think and use our minds and so we use our reason and our ability to think about this stuff to investigate and then if we realize hey what i have found matches what i believed awesome now we put our trust and our faith in that and we can have confidence if what we find is different then we might have to change some of our biases we might have to change some of our views and this might be at a smaller or a bigger level but as i always explain to my students the reason why i'm a christian is because i'm be- i'm convinced that christianity best explains the world around us it best answers the questions. It has the best evidence. It has the best explanations. And therefore, it is reasonable to put our trust and our faith in Christianity. And so I think this worldview makes sense. And we need to be careful on how we are being influenced by other worldviews around us. And how can we think critically as believers with it? what we've been given to come to truth and then explain it to those who are around us. And so as we wrap up now, I just want to thank all of you guys that uh, are joined and watching live. You guys are awesome. Remember, uh, the live streaming is at 5 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, Los Angeles time is when it's recorded live. You can follow live on the Coffee House Questions Facebook page. You can comment, send in your questions so that they can be discussed next week. Other than that, you guys are awesome. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this as we move forward with Coffee House Questions. Have a great rest of your week. Your